You are listening to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast with host Sean Castrina. Today's going to be a great podcast because we're going to be talking about crisis management, crisis communication. I have an expert with me. He's the author of the book, The Cancel Culture Curse. And, we, you know, that's going to be an exciting uh, topic. I have Evan Nearman with me here today. He founded Red Banyan. It's a world-renowned PR, PR agency. Um, it's great to have you, Evan. Thanks for having me. Good to be uh, with you, Sean. All right. So, you know, obviously, you know, you you founded a, an incredible PR agency. You've worked with presidential candidates, uh, business leaders. And, and we're going to talk about, you know, the cancel culture. But just give us an idea of, as a small business owner, how we should communicate when we're in a crisis and what constitutes a crisis. Yeah, well, it's it's a great question. And how you define a crisis really varies by organization and by industry. So what I may consider a crisis, a 30-person yeah. business may not register as a crisis. Exactly. A company All with right. 300 or 3,000 employees. Okay, let me redefine it then. Uh, uh, okay, somebody's going to post a review of uh, that could detrimentally affect how people view your company um you know i it, you know you have you know just, just something of that nature you know something that could you know you know obviously damage the reputation of your company uh example one of your employees let's say it was a service company was accused of stealing something from a homeowner let's say it's yep. pain meds or whatever the case may be all of those qualify. Anything that's likely to have a, a, a negative impact on your reputation, your revenue, to me, falls into the category of, of a crisis and you have to take it seriously. And the, the number one takeaway and the message that I hope your listener, listeners will come away with is if you're a small business owner, if you're an executive at a, at a medium-sized company or even enterprise level is in this day and age, you cannot afford to leave misinformation or false allegations unchallenged. You have to get in the fight and you have to do what I describe as press the truth. That means you can't be reactive. You can't hope and pray that someone else is going to get the facts out there. Or they're going to defend you. You got to defend yourself. I, I like that because it's it's funny, you know, I own some home service companies and it's not uncommon to get somebody to come from left field. And, and typically what I've found is it's not even a real person. It's it's a competitor. I, you know, I, I've been I and I've been doing it long enough that I can tell the language of it, the direction they're going. And 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 so it's I, I you know, and I have a, you know, a digital marketing company and they're always like, Sean, just 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 let it go. Don't. And I'm like, no, I'm going to pound them straight in the face. You and I go, I, like I, I, thank you, because I apologize to jump in, because I'm always like, no, I go, if I don't say anything, they're getting one side of the story. If I say something, they at least go, oh, I tell you what, that's a feisty SOB as an owner. He's very protective of his people. He's whatever the case may be. I go from 100% of the people thinking we're bad because there's no response to at least someone getting, okay, now that I get some context here. Here's the thing to remember to anyone who's listening today. If someone gives you a negative review online, you're never going to convince that person. So they're lost. They've taken the time and the effort to, to smear you online. You're not going to win them over. However, think about the thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or even millions of people who could then see their response. You should put up a response to whatever the attack is 
bearing in mind that other people are going to read that. You want to make sure, you know, you'll determine based on your business, your industry, you know, maybe you're a little feistier than, than some yeah, business. And I, I would say I am. I'm not saying you have to be feisty, but, yeah. but I'm saying you do have to be engaged. And so anytime you get attacked or you get a negative review, you need to respond, not because you're responding for the person who's coming after you, but because you want to show all the people who will come after this is a company that takes the concern seriously. If you've made a mistake, you can own it. You can pledge to do better. You can explain why this happened. You can be human. That's fine. And if it's not true, you're defending yourself. So you got to be engaged. And again, that is pressing the truth in my book. Yeah. And when we do think it's real, just behind the scenes, because I tell audiences, our first response, if we get a negative review, the very first thing we do before we post anything is I immediately reach out to my office and say, hunt this customer down, reach out to them and find out what in the world happened that the owner wants to do whatever he can in the next 48 hours to make this right. So I just want people, I, I just for what it is, is if something's legit and valid because they did take the time to do it, no matter what I actually think, I, I my my first response is let my office step in and that, that's kind of how the natural protocol is. Occasionally when people take a low blow and I know it's a competitor or something like that, my natural response is always, I, I literally call them out on, I go, I have a hard time believing this is one of our customers. I go, but to prove me wrong, please post the contract online. I give you permission to post the contract that you signed to do business with us. Cause I don't think it's going to be posted anywhere. That is my guy. I've never, I've done that 15 years, never had one get posted yet. Where I go, like, I, I don't think you're a customer of ours, you know, and I find that to be just a smash right in the mouth. But you're this professional at this and I'm the, you know, hyperactive Italian. So um, maybe my approach isn't isn't great. So talk to us about, you know, obviously this cancer culture. You wrote the book, The Cancer Culture Curse. How do we deal with what define it? it because I think you're going to define it better than we think. I hope so. And then how, how we deal with it. Yeah, part of the reason I wrote the book is because I believe the practice is fundamentally un-American. I think it tears our society apart. I don't think there's ever a justification for cancel culture. And that's true whether you're coming from the left politically, you're coming from the right, you're coming from the center or anywhere along the spectrum. And I don't give a lot of credence to these people who argue that if cancel culture is done by us, it's somehow okay and good and lifts up society. Society, but if the other side of the aisle does it, it's bad. It can't be good for me, but bad for thee. So I am, just to be clear, I'm not partisan. Uh, this is not a partisan book. This is a case against the practice because it flies completely counter to basic fundamental American values such as due process, freedom of speech. And then before you can defeat cancel culture, I felt that it was important to define it. And so the, the definition that I have in the book is cancel culture is the use of intimidation by a morally absolute coalition to isolate and disproportionately punish an alleged transgressor. And I think that what people really, you know, that, that that's kind of a academic definition but small business owners need to understand it's not just celebrities and multi-billion dollar brands that are at risk from cancel culture, cancel culture. It's actually the small businesses that are more at risk because you don't have the resources, you don't necessarily have 
the partners, the customer base, the finances, the advisors at the ready. So cancel culture, I've seen it firsthand. The reason I wrote the book was because I was sick and tired of having conversations with business owners and individuals who had their lives completely upended by people harassing them, doxing them, attacking them, harming their businesses and destroying their reputation online. Yeah, because you don't, you know, you're not trained to know what to say in every situation. <laughs> you know, it's like I could say something and it's it could be just, you know, I try not to be very obviously very careful what you say, but more so than ever. I mean, I'm just going to give our audience, please do me a favor, Google some Andrew Dice Clay and 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 some other comedians, you know, that they can go back. You would you would lose your mind, you know, if you want to go that route, you know, you know, Red Fox and and all these. And, you know, this, you know, only in the last five years has it been whatever. But when I see comedians get nailed on it, that is the one that just I have a hard time. Like, OK, you do realize they're entertaining you. You do realize they're it's hyperbole. It's hyperbolic. It's, you know, when Dave Chappelle, when you see what they're I mean, you, you do get where they're going with this. And then they're you know allegedly you know they can't perform they can't do this can't do that and, and you know so many of them that's happened obviously a few have stood up and and it's worked for them but many have been totally you know and, and companies as well ceos and it's touchy yeah well look i think it's a good thing that that folks like you know joe rogan has launched a comedy club that specifically says to people who've been victims of cancel culture, you can come to my club and you can perform. Comedians have a long tradition in this country of holding up a mirror to society and you know, being outrageous and challenging convention. And I think Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan have really led the charge when it comes to countering cancel culture because they basically said, you, you want to put a gun to my head, you want to force me to apologize, you want to try to make me recant, Listen, I am who I am. I have my opinions. I'm not going to let you silence me, deplatform me, cancel me. And I think that a lot of comedians are taking strength from that and they're seeing that they don't necessarily have to kowtow to people who get offended. And at the end of the day, it, it's very hard to tell a joke of any kind that doesn't offend someone. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I believe me, I think it's, it's completely gotten you know out at, of at, at hand and when they go back and try to find like uh, something somebody said 30 years ago and you don't know quite the context of it and and even if it was i'm going to take it in the worst of the worst um, well, look, the cancel culture crowd is trying to cancel people who've been dead for decades <laughs> or even centuries that's what so, i was going to say i was <laughs> going back and trying to rewrite to hold historical figures to account seeing them through a modern day prism of what we believe is acceptable, not even we, a, yeah. a narrow subset of our society. On its face, it's laughable. It makes no sense. And my hope in writing this book is to expose this practice and to help people who have half a brain say, you know, it doesn't make sense to permanently punish people if they have made a mistake, or in some cases, they get accused of things that they've never done. And at the end of the day, we can't exist in a society that makes every mistake permanent. 
Yeah, and, no, I exactly. I, I I have to jump in on that because I live in Virginia and I've seen, you know, they've gone all the way down from Thomas Jefferson to, to Monroe. I mean, they're literally knocking them down one at a one at a time. You know, their statues are coming down. And I go, wait a second, you're asking somebody who lived in the 1800s to abide by what we're looking at, where they'd look at us and think, well, you know, well, I'm not really happy about how you all are living too. But but the point being is, is that you're ju you're judging them through this standard of over 250 years it's it makes no sense yeah i mean to me it's like okay thomas jefferson did this or did that i go okay and, and what was the basic conduct of anybody about there obviously we would do things differently in hindsight hindsight is always an easy way to look through things but no i agree it's 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 crazy give us a lesson for ceos all of us a, how do we stay out of saying like really dumb things? Like, because I, I'm sure you have some great warnings, like, okay, I, I don't appreciate this, but you'd be wise to not say A, B, C, and D or think when you'd speak. So give us a little warning as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if people check out the book, The Cancel Culture Curse, it's got chapters in there that are dedicated to a playbook for what to do if the cancel vultures come to you and also recommendations, very concrete takeaways about how to avoid being canceled in the first place. And in terms of a, a real sort of quippy, easy to remember lesson for all of your listeners is, you know, avoid the hot button uh, culture wars topics in your social media. So you, 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 there are certain certain conversations that are happening in America related to politics, religion, abortion, the transgender rights issues, these are all just radioactive. So stay away from those to the best extent you can. And then before you post anything on social media or your team does, follow these two rules, share with care, post with purpose. So don't just rush to, to post things without thinking about what the negative implications could be. And make sure that that, that tweet, that Facebook post, that Instagram reel, whatever it is, is going to reflect positively and well on your organization. And if it's if it's not, or there's no real strategic goal that you're accomplishing by putting it out there, then just just don't do it. Avoid it. Don't don't invite the criticism and the attacks unless you have to. Uh, I mean, you you don't have to. You don't have to weigh in on every social issue. So to the extent you can, stay away from the the hot button ones, and then hit the pause button before you post and just think, you know, is this really advancing my business goals? Is this really shaping the way that I want people to think about us as an organization? And if it doesn't advance that, it doesn't put you in a, in a good position, or if it's negative toward other people, just, just don't say it. Don't yeah, do it's it. Just on, the rule is it's just not necessary. There, there's nothing to be gained by it. That's no, my general but rule. But a lot to lose. A lot to lose. And it sticks around forever. The old days where you could maybe stay something and whatever. Now it, it's it's memorialized in, in so many fashions. So take us, you know, obviously, again, the book is uh, the the cancer culture curse. Um, let's say you do make a, a, a you, you do make a blunder. OK, what do we do then? Yeah, well, look, the nature of it is going to what, what you do is is unique to the specifics of the circumstances. That would but be true. you yeah. know, if, if you're an organization and you've 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 done something, there's been a misstep. There is nothing wrong with recognizing that it didn't go quite the way that you thought it would, and conveying that you know we have practices in place to avoid this. The process didn't work this time. 
that's okay. Saying that, you know, you're going to make sure that you strengthen the protocols to make sure mistakes like this don't happen. That's all good things. Now, I want to caution against one thing that is a reflexive uh, action that a lot of people just move towards, and that is falling on your sword, apologizing, expressing, you know, groveling and expressing regret. If, if it used to be in the realm of crisis management, there was kind of a simple formula anytime something bad happened. And I, I would describe it as the three F's. And I'll, I'll make it the, the PG version, which is if you yeah. foul up, fess up, and then fix up. Yeah. And it was a pretty tried and true formula. The problem in a cancel culture society is if you foul up and you fess up, then people don't point to you and say, oh, look, they're owning it. Good job. They're going to make it better. They go, see, they're admitting it. They're a bad company. They're a bad individual. And so I would caution against, if you haven't actually done anything that warrants apologizing, don't apologize. If the people clamoring for your head online and demanding an apology and saying that they think it's outrageous, if they're not involved in the situation, you don't owe them anything. So don't be in such a rush to try to reduce the pressure and pull the escape valve by issuing this hostage apology because you feel like you have to do it. Many people who've been the targets of cancel culture have ended up apologizing under duress because they feel like they needed to to just save their businesses or save their livelihood. And then they've told me that going back in time, they really regret making that apology because they were giving an apology to someone who didn't warrant it and the circumstance didn't necessarily require it. So it sounds a little counterintuitive, but if if the people who are demanding that you take action or that you apologize, if they're not personally involved and you don't owe them anything, don't make the mistake of rushing to apologize to them. A great example that I've said this before and I, I stand on it now and this it would be, you know, 15 years later at least. I think the worst advice ever given an athlete was the advice given to Tiger Woods. It was a totally a private family matter. And they, when they put him out in front of that, there's nothing he could have said that anybody would have heard that would have helped that situation. There's not one, there's nothing he could have said. Yeah, so but Tiger, made, Tiger Woods also made it, he, he made a huge miscalculation yeah, yeah. in that he didn't press the truth immediately. He didn't yeah. jump into action. He yeah, left was, a long period and that vacuum was just yeah. filled by negative reporting and people yeah. speculating. And so he, he he did not handle the, the situation well in the moment, which is understandable because he yeah. was under tremendous. Scrutiny. Yeah, I, I mean, I can understand where he would have had the great pause I can't imagine quite being in that house on Thanksgiving over that. But when they marched him out and you know, you know, he doesn't want to be there and you know, everything coming out of his mouth right now is because he looks like he's a hostage. Literally, he looks like he, he's been taken hostage. And I'm, and, it, and, and it, it killed his, his, his swagger, his it, everything. Like if he had just went out there and said, listen, this is between me and my family for those I've disappointed I whatever, uh, but this is going to be a really short press conference because I'm going to deal with this with my family, the people that it affected. Boom, walked off, just walked off. When he stood up there, the longer he stood up there, he looked like a hot, he just looked like, I just thought that was one of the, one of the worst responses to an absolute crisis based on who he was. Like he did the typical politician one 
but yep. it wasn't him. Like he's not that guy that could do that at that time. And and they went to the typical, you, you know what I mean? The, the, yeah, it was the, the old, standard old play, playbook. the old yeah. playbook. And I, I agree. And look to his credit, he's a competitor. He's a phenomenon and he's been able to, he got past it. He moved oh, yeah. past. And, and, and that's I why I love it. And that's yeah. because the standard, he, he was not the, he was, he was different at that time. Yeah, but he was. He also showed that there are certain people who've reached a certain level where they're really too big to be canceled, and there were going to be a critical mass of people who were gonna, who were gonna be with Tiger Woods no matter what. So yes, he felt you know like he had to trot himself out there in front of the cameras, and then he had to go get treatment for sex addiction and all of that. But you know, people, many folks don't even really remember that at this point. They remember the comeback. They remember the titles that he's won since they've seen him playing through pain etc but it, it is a it illustrates the point that you got to press the truth and you got to be willing to engage and the, the biggest mistake tiger made tiger woods made was waiting too long before he went to that kind of tired playbook yeah but and it was the, he was able to come back regardless yeah absolutely and you gotta you gotta love the comeback i'm i'm a, I'm a big believer in by golly if we judge a man by the worst day of his life oof can be rough. Um, I, I'm just excited because we're getting good advice here today. And I'm excited whenever I can bring to the audience some knowledge because I, you know, this is a really sensitive subject. And I had somebody who's a pro at it. I have Evan Nearman with me here today. He's the founder of Red Banyan. He's worked with politicians, business leaders. Um, he wrote the book, The Cancer Culture Curse, but we're getting advice all the way across the board on how you deal with uh, things that can happen online posts, crisis in general, as well as uh, cancer culture. Evan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How can my audience connect with you? Yeah, thanks for having me. You can go to cancelculture.com and I've got downloadable uh, things there to help you, resources for business owners, also for parents, 10 things to talk to your kids about in terms of safe use of the internet, 10 ways to prevent your business from being canceled. I, I welcome the connection and to continue the conversation. I'm on X at at Evan Nearman. You can find more information about me at redbanion.com and all the social platforms that you can imagine. If you want to check out the book, you can get it wherever books are sold. It's on Amazon, it's Barnes and Noble, anywhere. Audible. Yeah, it is. I love Audible. <laughs> I think it's one of the big mistakes some authors make, but you've got to put it on Audible. Uh, audience, thank you so much for listening. Podcast, top five business podcast, number one entrepreneurship podcast, and number one marketing podcast. Um, I think the format works and I appreciate you constantly listening, listening to it, where we try to equip, encourage and educate people in the least amount of time possible. Thank you again. It's brought to you by Gig Strategic. If you need a great digital marketing company that actually won't just send you a report every month, but you'll work with someone who can actually tell you what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing and what your competitors doing and why whatever you're doing is not working, reach out to gigstrategic.com. Again, we'll talk again soon.